0: You're listening to Keep Screaming, a horror podcast from two best friends dissecting horror movies one by one. My name is Ryan Larson.
1: And my name is B Bass. Every two weeks, we will bring you a brand new episode where we dissect a slasher film from top to bottom.
0: We will look at the movie as a whole, going over the story, the casting, music choices, go kill by kill, and then rank it on how it succeeds as a slasher film.
1: You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Screaming Cast or by searching Keep Screaming. You can find me at B not B. that's B-E-E, not B-E-A, and Ryan at Ryan Larson.
0: You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and CastBox, or online at podpeople.me or keepscreaming.com.
1: This week we are dissecting 1974's Black Christmas, directed by Bob Clark, but first our pop culture check-in.
0: For new listeners, our pop culture check-in is a chance for you to get to know what we've been watching, reading, and consuming outside of our movie this week, as well as life updates. Be watched everything in the world. I Um, had a movie week. Yeah, you did. With some interesting movies, too. Yeah. Uh, This is all over the place. Dude, I was
1: having a really hard time, like... I haven't felt like watching anything. It's been weird. I haven't felt like watching anything. I've been everything. Yeah, in one of those moods where just nothing sounds good. I don't want to watch any TV. All my shows. Very the only thing, which is super weird, the yeah. only thing I'm caught up with is Legacies, um, which I think I talked about last week or the week before. It's the, the new show, yeah. CW show um, about like a supernatural boarding school. So of course it's right at my alley. It's the only thing I can't watch Riverdale. I can't watch anything. And so I just was all over the place because nothing sounded good.
0: I've been struggling to get through Riverdale episodically. I think I just need a couple more. Like, I just need to, like, binge it or something.
1: Not uh, loving uh, <clears throat> dragons and gargoyles.
0: It, it's fun. It's Dungeons campy, and, but, like, I'm ready for it to wrap up. Yeah, um, I,
1: that's what I was talking to uh, Kayla and Low about. Like, my big Riverdale girls. Uh, I was like, I think I'm, I'm ready for the mid-season finale. I'm ready for, like, yeah. a change of pace.
0: I get the whole, like, kind of leaning into Sabrina thing, but Sabrina is over, so we can tell Yeah.
1: December 14th, when the Christmas special Yeah, airs. I'm so
0: excited for a Christmas special. And then April, it comes back, the second season. That That's trailer right. dropped. Um, cool. So we both watched, I mean, I think we can both, um, touch on this. B watched Into the Dark, Flesh and Blood, and I watched Into the Dark, Pooka. Um so if you guys aren't familiar with and I can talk about it because by the time this comes out it will have been out. Um Into the Dark is Blumhouse's partner series with Hulu and it's really really cool because what it is is every month they are doing one full-length movie based on a holiday from that month. So they started it at Halloween, um, and the at, body with the body, which was fun. I like that one. Yeah. Um, and uh, Thanksgiving's was Flesh and Blood, and Christmas is Puka. Um, and I'm excited to get into the weird, random, like middle months that don't have like super familiar holidays to see what they're going to do with that. Okay,
1: what are they going to do in January? Oh, New, New Year's. Year's. Yeah,
0: they'll do New Year's. They'll do except for... Easter. That's kind do... of
1: cheating because New Year's Eve is in December. Yeah. New no. Year's Day is January yeah. 1st, and that's not what it's about ever. No. It's I never don't. about it's New Year's New Day. Year's Eve, yeah. But maybe that'll New Year's Day.
0: Maybe it's someone with a hangover or something. I don't know. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's a really cool concept, and it's just uh, I just love what Blum does, the, t- the chances that they're willing to take on everything, um, and the fact that they partnered with Hulu on this and it changes directors, obviously, creative teams every time, um, which is super cool, too. Because and styles. It's yeah. Not so it's just like, like really wildly like different things. Um, and also kind of at the end of it, you have like this anthology series, um, which I love anthologies. And I love holiday themed horror movies. So uh, it like ticks all of my boxes. His what, boxes are checked. Yes. What did you think of Flesh and Blood? Did you watch it? Um, I actually didn't. Uh I love Patrick Lucier though. Yeah,
1: so it's Patrick Lucier who did one of our faves, My Bloody Valentine 3D and Drive wh- Angry 3D. Was actually uh originally going to do the Halloween um the newest Halloween. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um they had a script and everything, and then he dropped out to do oh he dropped out to do something else that didn't act Hellraiser, I think. To reboot Hellraiser. Oh,
0: interesting. I
1: believe so. Um, Ryan's going to fact check me right now. Um, And then that didn't end up panning out. And so that's when like Dimension lost the rights to Halloween. And that's how we just got Halloween 2018 from Blum. Um, So kind of little fun behind the scenes. But um, it has a starring uh, Dermot Laroni who, I mean, is sort of like a rom-com king. Uh, my best friend's wedding, um, oh, yeah, the yeah, wedding yeah. date. Um, I've always thought he was incredibly handsome and still is to this day. Um, he has like a stint on New Girl that I absolutely love and obsess He's over. I've Gavin and
0: Friends too, right? Or is that someone else? That's someone else. I
1: don't know who Gavin is. Um, and then the main actress who plays his daughter oh, is no, Diana okay. Silvers. <laughs> and I'm not sure... I think this is she doesn't have like a wikipedia page so I think she might be like a newer actress.
0: He was like Rachel's co-worker.
1: Oh time. yeah, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Um, but I it was really great. It's definitely a thriller. Um, mm-hmm. and I got that vibe. It's a family thriller. It's about the son and daughter. Um, The synopsis is on Thanksgiving. Teenager Kimberly tries to move on from her mom's unsolved murder to cure her agoraphobia. But under the care of her doting father, she starts to suspect that she's in danger. And it's always the ones you love who hurt you the most, which is the whole flesh and blood play on title. It's no secret that you start getting very suspectful of her father and his role in her mom's Sort of weird killing, um, and it's great too. The I mean, it's incredibly well acted, and it's got it all takes place in the house. That's it, um, which I love. Like one setting films um, that can do it successfully. Uh, it kind of has almost like an interior rear window feel to me because it's like her and she's trapped in the house. Um, because of her agoraphobia, but instead of like being suspectful of the neighbor, she's su- suspectful of her father. So it definitely was kind of giving me like rear window vibes. Um, but it was I really liked it. I thought it was incredibly well done, well acted, well filmed. Um, great glossy thriller. Um, and I always like these types of I'm thriller. I think is a subgenre of horror and one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Um and so I really like that. So if that sounds up your alley, I would definitely check it out. And like Ryan said, like the body was fun. Mm-hmm. Um I liked this one a lot more. Um but very different movies, completely different movies, and so I think that's what what's so great about this. Yeah,
0: and they've tapped a lot of like cool directors. So I watched um Puka, which is their Christmas themed one, and it's cool because they decide to <clears throat> um use basically the idea is the Puka. So if, you, if you're not familiar, the puka is actually an Irish uh, folkloric creature, if you've ever seen the movie Harvey. It's not James like Stewart, puka shells? No. Um, the movie Harvey with James Stewart, where he, there's the giant rabbit that mm-hmm. he, like, his imaginary friend. It's actually a puka. And pukas in, like, Irish mythology are, um, they're, they can be benevolent or malevolent spirits that is usually that take the form of animals. What
1: they sort of have in the holidays anthology for the Easter segment is that supposed to be a puka, you think?
0: I don't know. That's just weird. <laughs> I, I love that segment. That's my favorite segment. so weird. Yeah, I really love that. I love that in the St. Patrick's Day one, too. Yeah. Um, but that one's creepy. That If Maybe you guys haven't puka. seen it, it's an anthropomorphized Jesus bunny rabbit. Yeah, it's, it's so cool. Weird. It's cool, though. Um, but, yeah, so they play on this idea of the puka, um, and they use... Because I, I checked, and I was like, oh, are they always rabbits? But that's something that Harvey has, like, made popular. Oh. Um, so in this, uh, uh, the Puka is a toy that becomes, like, the wildly popular Christmas toy. It's, like, the must-have. So um, I, don't, I don't really know what those are nowadays, if you're around our age. Um, when we were kids, like, a lot, like, Tickle Me Elmo and Furbies and Beanie Babies are mm-hmm. the ones I can think of in particular that were, like... Insane, like oh my god! You had to have these; uh, like oh. there were like riots for them.
1: Yeah, and there was this like I remember this one toy when I was super little. You couldn't get it, and it was this like animal, and it would like hatch a mole or oh, something. Hatch moles, yeah, yeah. yeah. So
0: popular. I mean, it's essentially what Chucky is based on, like yeah. play. So the Puka is this toy that becomes like the hot craze, and this guy who's a struggling actor, um, he. he um, his name is I'm uh, James. Um, he gets cast as the Puka, like to play him in the commercials, and um, like he goes to like they do pop up shops, and he is the Puka. Um, and it's a really weird toy. It's like a Furby where it records what you're saying, but its eyes will light up blue and it will say it, it will say it back really nice, or its light, eyes will light up red and it will say it really evil. So it and it, it picks and chooses what it wants to say. So. It's just, like, really kind of crazy story, and it's super goofy and really fun because it'll be, like, really dark. Like, he becomes, like, dependent on this, like, puka costume. Like, he will start having, like, basically asthma attacks if he goes for too long without wearing it, but when he starts wearing it, he starts blacking out and having, like, violent memories, and then he'll wake up and they haven't happened. So he's, like, not sure if it's, like, he's seeing the future or if, like... The things are happening c- because there's sometimes where you're led to believe like, oh, this one happened, but this one didn't. Um, so it's all But it's like, only
1: when he has a costume on. But it's
0: only when he has a costume Sounds on. Sounds
1: very clown-like.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. So, it, the yeah. The Eli be- Roth clown. Yeah, but he can get it off, but it just becomes where he becomes like dependent on it. On it, yeah. uh, But yeah. it's funny because like something like super, and in- it's beautifully shot, Nacho Vigalanda did it, who did um, Time Crimes, and he did Colossal with Ian Hathaway last year, um, and Jason Sudeikis, which I loved. It's like um, one of my.
1: I watched it this year, but it would have been on my top list. Yeah, of it was so good.
0: Um, and he's just like, he's he just knows like what he's doing. So it's very well shot, very stylized. Mm-hmm. But it's funny because like it's this like crazy violent act will happen, and then it just cuts to the Puka commercial, which is like a commercial you see on Nickelodeon where it's like this cartoon background with cartoon graphics and him dancing in this costume and the music, the theme song for Puka, which I can't remember exactly, but it's something like. Puka see, Puka you, Puka me, Puka do, and it's just, like, super weird and random. Um, so it, like, it does a good job at balancing, like, really off-putting humor with, like, this super dark subject matter. And then there's a twist at the end, which you'll probably see coming a little bit into it, but it's very well done. Um, and it, like, kind of throws... Like, it doesn't throw you for a complete loop. Like, the whole time you're kind of going, like, what? I know something's happening, but, like, what the hell is happening? And then by the time it, like, wraps up, uh, very good. So, so far for me, like, um, End of the Dark has been, I mean, two out of the two I've seen. And from what I hear, like, Flesh and Blood sounds awesome. Mm -hmm. So, I'm excited about the rest of them.
1: Yeah, I (laughs) wonder, though, is, like, sometimes with these... Things Like, they're getting these directors who have done other very successful commercial projects. Um, they're getting, you know, good notable actors. The movies themselves are, you know, high quality. Are we... Should they be theatrical? Would they have been theatrical? Or do they only exist because of this, like, Blum Hulu platform?
0: I feel like these movies are movies that only exist because of this. Like, yeah. Like, they're not movies I could see in a... Th- there are movies that you would see straight go like go straight to Blu ray. Yeah. Um, like B O D films. Yeah, V O D films, yeah. definitely. Now. Yeah.
1: So it's yeah, it's interesting. I mean it's great that we're gonna get these movies when normally we wouldn't because maybe they wouldn't have gotten the backing mm-hmm. for a theatrical release. And that
0: what's cool is like the people they have doing them, like Lucier and um uh Vigalanda, um, they might be like things that because they're big enough directors now, they want to stay away from studio interference so yeah. they're allowed to kind of play around a little more than they could if they were to have like a studio movie uh which i really enjoy and i don't i don't think they've announced all the episodes yet um
1: they have not yeah um and i will <clears throat> note that flesh and blood is as much a thanksgiving it's actually less of a thanksgiving movie than blood Rage is. um it doesn't that doesn't play a huge theme in the film at all mm-hmm. um it really just comes down to a plot device that specific holiday is a plot device within the inner family turmoil um so it brings up you know emotional things because that's normally a family holiday so it definitely aids in the plot of the story but it's not like It's like when we were talking about Mischief Night, the 2013 Mm -hmm. one, where it's like, yeah, it's happening on Mischief Night, but there's no evidence that it's Halloween anywhere. That's kind of how this is. It's like Thanksgiving plays a role. So I think that might be, you know, how they can fit in some of these more like maybe President's Day or, you know, some of these like more obscure holidays is it's just an excuse to have the family together or this is why they're at this picnic you know, something like that.
0: Yeah. Um, we'll and, see. And, and I mean, I think the body is Halloween tangential, as is Puka. Like, they're not, like, super. But you can definitely tell, like, the decorations and everything are set yeah. for all of that. Um, yeah, they've announced the next uh, New Year, New You is for January. Down is February. Mm-hmm. And Treehouse is March. Um, and Down, I would guess, is Groundhog's Day. Groundhog's Day, because that's oh, in February. sure. Um, most likely, or Valentine's Day, one of the two. Yeah. Um, but yeah, check it out if you haven't. It's on Hulu. Um, I also watch, I had a, uh, luckily, I, one of the nice things about uh, running Ghastly Grinning and just uh, being more social online is I've made friends with people who have access to things that I normally wouldn't have access to, so someone happened to have a screener for Venom that they didn't want, so I watched Venom. Um
1: I was going to say, how'd you watch that so late?
0: Yeah, I watched Venom and um, it's an interesting movie. It is, Tom Hardy is great. He carries that movie on his back. Um, Well, Avi. I don't know. First of all, if you guys are into movie like Factoids at all, it is weirdly cleaning up. It's going to be like one of the biggest money makers ever for a superhero movie because China loves it.
1: Oh, all right.
0: It didn't do that well in the States. China cleaned up. Like, it's almost to a billion because of how... I think it's, like, top five biggest opening ever in China. Hmm.
1: Um, I wonder what about the...
0: So... Is it yeah.
1: super American? Because that's usually it's, what like the Chinese like. Hello, American. Up. It takes yeah. place
0: in San Francisco. I mean, Tom Hardy has like this weird accent because he always does. <laughs> I mean, um,
1: um, like a weird California accent. No, no,
0: no. Sounds like he's from Boston. He might be because they they definitely say they had to leave New York. So who knows? Or he's got like a New York accent. So he's got
1: a a New York <laughs> come to Cali accent. Yeah.
0: Um, <laughs> this sounds horrible, and I'm really not trying to be offensive. This is truly like me researching the movie and seeing
1: I'm nervous about what you're gonna say.
0: I from what I understand it's doing so well in China because of all the tentacles. Okay. And, and like it's very like anime manga esque oh, because okay. that's a prevalent theme in those types of things. Uh uh-huh. and there are tentacles all over the fucking place in this movie. So so
1: if you have a thing with tentacles, don't watch this movie. <laughs> yeah. Or um, do watch it. it. Depends on what your thing is. It
0: feels like a 90s superhero movie. Like, I feel like I oh. was transported into 1998. I could when, be into that. Yeah, no. I, I could be really into I, that. This movie... Should have come out right after Blade. Like, that's where it fits in. And if you go into it with that mindset, where yeah. you're expecting cheesy dialogue oh, and yeah. kind of subpar CG, uh-huh. but it still carries itself. This sounds
1: like right it, up the Yeah, then you'll
0: enjoy it. Because, I mean, and Tom Hardy. Dude, Tom Hardy and Michelle Tom Williams, Hardy. though, have zero chemistry, none whatsoever. And I love Michelle Williams. But...
1: Dude, that's how, in The Greatest Showman, her chemistry with Hugh Jackman is non-existent. I don't they know if could've...
0: she just... Can't. They
1: could have been on like different sets, and they just imposed them next to each other. That's how much chemistry. I, I, I've had. seen her in
0: other movies. Like I know she can do it, but like just none she... with these like super babes. I guess um, she's just. I mean, she was with Heath Ledger, right? Yeah, that's a super babe. But hmm. <coughs> what?
1: I'm no. I'm just thinking. I don't know. I wonder what it is.
0: Yeah, I don't know um so i watched venom uh it and like i said 90, i didn't like, know she was in that yeah she plays his love interest oh. um so if you're if like if you go into it with that approach i think you'll have some fun with it there is some very like eye-rolling worthy dialogue that i was just like Ugh. and also there, there's just some weird i'm telling you it feels so 90s because there's some things in it like this chick just starts who directed an it eel. um i think it's the guy who did fucking zombie land I can't remember Ruben Fleischer. I think um, I can't. I'm gonna look it up right now. But yeah, it's Ruben Fleischer. The guy who did Zombie Land. Oh, um, kind of has that f- that feel of like action um, comedy though. So I mean, huh. it kind of fits in with his. I also watched the second Sicario because I actually really liked the first Sicario. Oh my god, so boring. <laughs> I just could not. S- it's just.
1: <laughs> Ryan is just full of rave reviewers tonight.
0: Josh Brolin and. Benicio del Toro are both like very talented actors, and
1: I just I, watched them in a movie too. And
0: yeah. I like Sicario, the first one. This movie, like nothing. I was watching it; it's over two hours long.
1: Uh-huh. I was watching it, and I was like,
0: by the time I got almost to the end, I was like, "What the fuck has happened in this movie? It it moves so slow, and there's like I just there's no consequence. There's nothing there to like make me care." Mm. Unlike the first one, like, where I felt like it was tense and, like, there were, like, s- high stakes. Just did if not a
1: movie clocks in at longer than 90 minutes, it will 100% take me three days to finish it.
0: Yeah, well... Like, guaranteed. So, Mission Impossible Fallout will, because that's also over two hours. Uh, but Mission Impossible, and I, I feel like Mission Impossible and Fast and Furious were doing this thing for years where, like, back and forth, it's like, which one's the better action movie? Because, like, each new entry would come out and it was be, like, like, damn, so that's good. hella good. Damn, that's hella good. Okay,
1: don't get too far into the Mission Impossible one because I haven't watched it yet. But two, I plan because we've been rewatching. Yeah, I won't. We'll we'll all get just, into I'll
0: it. I'll just too. touch on it. Um, I will say A-plus. this because I have watched Fate Wait, and the Furious.
1: This is the one, the mustache one. Yes, this right. Is Ruben, this, this is, is the, the one with
0: Harvey Ka- Ka- or Henry Cavill where he reloads <laughs> his arm in that bathroom fight. It's yeah, that
1: like broke the internet. Yeah,
0: because he keeps his mustache. Um. He has the mustache in this one so it's directed by christopher macquarie uh and he did jack of the giant slayer he wrote usual suspects which is a great movie um he's worked with tom cruise a bunch of writing his other movies uh <laughs> edge of tomorrow the mummy the new top gun so he's like very um well versed with like a tom cruise it's a great movie definitely watch it I, I think for sure to me i was thinking about this the other day makes Definitively makes the new Fast the, uh, the new Mission Impossible better than Fast and the Furious because I really as a series. Did. Yeah, I think so because I really like. I really did not like Fate of the Furious. I just it just that's jumped the newest the shock one? Way too hard for me. I didn't yeah. see it. Uh, and the last one I watched was The House with the Clock on Its Walls, which mm-hmm. was mm-hmm. Eli Roth's like kid yeah. movie. Um, really cute. It's uh Kate Blanchett, uh, Jack Black. Um, it has that goosebump feel for it. So it's this kid who, his parents die, so he goes to his uncle, and he basically finds out that his, um, like, magic um, kind of runs in their blood, and his uncle is, is teaching him how to be a warlock. And he lives in this house that was owned by an evil warlock who put a clock in it, and when the clock strikes midnight, it, it's something catastrophic is going to happen, but they don't know what. So the kid is, like, kind of like this very like strange kid he doesn't have a lot of friends he's like very imaginative thinks outside the box a lot and because of his unique perspective on like the world he's able to like help Jack Black and Kate Blanchett figure out what's going on with this like very like this big mystery um I like it uh it's a little too kiddy at points there's one point where Jack Black turns into a baby a naked baby but he still has Jack Black's adult head on it Mm -hmm. and it was like too much for me i was like oh that's creepy and weird and i don't like it um so and he like of course pees everywhere so i was Mm. like oh so like there's a couple things that it's like oh this is a kid's movie remember and i feel like almost if you like took those out it'd be a much better movie because it didn't need those like things to be like this is a kid's movie remember yeah um but if you liked goosebumps it's super in vain with like that feel of uh, just that kind of like fun yeah and that's it's super logical. fun yeah and it has some like dark it does have some like really dark stuff in it but also like it has like um kind of a lightheartedness to it it's a very bright and like whimsical so i would definitely check it out like i'm very surprised that eli roth made it i kept forgetting like watching it. i was like oh yeah this is eli roth mm-hmm. and like no one's skin is getting peeled off mm. hmm What do you watch? Everything?
1: So I just realized that I've been... um, What is the word? Um, Influenced uh, by technology. And I didn't even realize it. Well, I realized that three movies that I thought were really random all have Anna Kendrick in it. And this is um, algorithms playing with me and suggesting things and I didn't even realize it. Um, I'll start with the bad. I watched Pitch Perfect 3.
0: Ooh, that movie... Oh, man.
1: So, directed by Trish Sy, the synopsis is after the highs of winning the World Championships, which was part two. The Bellas find themselves split apart and discovering there aren't job prospects for making music with your mouth. But when they get the chance to reunite for an overseas USO tour, this group of awesome nerds will come together to make some music and some questionable decisions. I feel like that synopsis is the perfect reason why this movie shouldn't exist. The Bellas find themselves split apart in discovering there aren't job prospects for making music. There's no more storylines for this group of people. I loved the first film. I thought it was incredibly charming, super original, um, about misfits, but also like about music and friendship and discovering yourself and so many great themes and the music was great. The mashups they did were actually super original. Um, there's a reason why Anna Kendrick's cups like blew up on the charts. Yep. Um, Just pure magic was that film and it really, really worked. Um, the second one I watched and I was like, okay, this was fantastic. It was all right. It was fine. Um, I didn't have any issues with it. This one—the one, the thing I loved
0: the most about the second one was Elizabeth Banks like did it all on her own. Yeah, which I respected a lot.
1: Yeah, and I really I love Elizabeth Banks. Um, and I wanted to support her. And um, this one's rough. Ooh. It's really rough. The only part of this movie that is uh salvageable, I think. I mean, and this is like probably as mean as I'm ever going to be on. I've been on a film, but I just actually got really upset because I think it has, the cast is so talented. Um, it did so many good things with the first one. And even with the second one, with like Ryan was saying, with all the work that Elizabeth Banks put into it, um, this one, it was just like, God, um, it just didn't work.
0: Well, it turns into a spy spoof movie.
1: It does, but that's weirdly the only parts that work. The spy part, I liked. And that was actually pretty entertaining. And they let um, Rumor... Re- yeah, no uh, Rebel Wilson, Rebel Wilson um, kind of carry that. And she's great at it. She's really good and really funny. Every other part of it where they're like weirdly on this tour and DJ Khaled... Oh, and, and Ruby
0: Rose's character is horrible. And
1: doesn't make any sense. All these characters don't make sense and they keep throwing these in the scenarios and the songs are not and they're not doing anything they're not mixing anything up really um that's what made those films so fun is that you actually got to hear songs you really like but then do some cool stuff with it this movie was super lacking that the really the only part i liked is when they sort of started spoofing on the whole spy thing and that was actually pretty funny uh i just it's just disappointing because when you have something that starts off so good and you just feel like they put this out to make money instead of to...
0: Well, and you could just tell they didn't know what to do with it.
1: They didn't. and they
0: made, it made
1: a lot of money. Yeah, exactly. So I think they put this out because the girls love each other mm-hmm. and they were so down to work together, which is great. Um, And because they knew they could make money off of it. And they did. Um, and that's kind of what makes me sad is I wish they would have taken the time to really think of a story that would have put the girls maybe do a flash forward where it's been a lot of years and but putting them on another world tour that felt very similar to part two at first I thought I was like wait is this part two again I don't know I'll stop there but I'm just really disappointed I was wanting it to be something that it wasn't um and then I watched table 19 with starring Anna Kendrick directed by Jeffrey Blitz who I don't know if any of you guys watched that a documentary from 2002 called Spellbound, but it was about very, very piece. good about spelling bees, yeah. mm-hmm. um, and won like a bunch of awards. Rightfully so, because it's pretty incredible. I was very young when that movie came out, and I remember it, and I watched it with my mom, and I thought it was super good. Um, and he's done like a couple other things, but um, this <clears> is like a true blue, like indie romantic drama. The two
0: Plosses wrote it, so.
1: Yeah, and it's something... And this sort of genre of film, I mean, I've probably seen near all of them. Um, I usually really enjoy this. And this was... It was pretty good. Um, great cast. Um, Anna Kendrick, Lisa Kudrow, um, Wyatt... Uh, Wyatt Russell. Um, I'm forgetting. the Craig comedi- Robinson. Craig Robinson yeah. from The Office. Stephen um,
0: Merchant. He's the British comedian. yeah.
1: Um, And he's super funny. Uh, So it's kind of about this, like, table of misfits who um, are basically the people invited to a wedding that they just didn't ever expect they would RSVP, yes. Um, And so they're, like, the farthest away, and they end up kind of forming this strong bond. The only thing, my only qualm with this movie, and what I seem to be, like, a, a common theme of these sort of, like, dramas is, like, they're so down like on relationships almost always. it's always like this person is bad they've they have abandoned their child they've broke up with you unsuspectingly they're cheating um, they're unhappy in their relationship like it's really depressing in that way like every single person had some kind of reason why love is bad. And that's just like drives it into your head. Every single character you meet, they have like some story why they're bad. They even have a random character who pops in for like two minutes of the story really and kind of woos Anna Kendrick for a second. And then there's a moment at the end where she's like, yeah, I'm going to go find him. And I'm not really spoiling much because he doesn't have much screen time. But she's like, yeah, me and that guy really connected. Well, it turns out he's, it's his wedding day. And he's like, gone and flirted and, like, kissed Anna Kendrick on his wedding day. So stuff like that where I'm just, like, call me, like, a naive newlywed. But I just don't love watching movies that are trying to compound it into your head that people are bad, people will let you down, and your relationship is going to fail because the other person is going to cheat or they're going to fall out of love with you or... They're going to abandon you and your child and, or, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like, all of this stuff. That's kind of a hard thing to watch.
0: (laughs) Yeah. You know? And I get it that happens,
1: but a lot of these movies sort of carry that tone that it's, like, love is, like, not real. And if it is real, then... Um, it's super dysfunctional and fucked up and that's okay because it's always going to be that way. And I just don't, I think that's kind of damaging. Um, there is like a love story that does prevail in this film and that's how it ends. It's basically like, yes, we're both fucked up and we both do terrible things and we're going to be terrible together, but we love each other. So it's going to be okay. And it's like, no, (sighs) maybe I'm just too negative today. Then I watched Twilight.
0: Which was great <coughs> and awesome. I don't like the first Twilight. I like I New Moon and Eclipse. But I so
1: yeah, I started New Moon, then I fell asleep, and holy shit, the budget changed. But I like Twilight. It's cheesy. There's some really weird, funny filming, and it's just, it's pure nostalgia. It, can't, it just celebrated its 10-year anniversary. Yeah. I was in high school when it came out. Yep. The soundtrack just makes me feel like my 16-year-old angsty self. It reminds me of when Ryan and I first became friends. Yeah,
0: it's right when they were hitting theaters, for sure. Yeah,
1: he is before the first movie came out, and Ryan and I had just become friends. And the fun fact I didn't realize, I mean, I kind of remembered this, but all four books came out. The last book came out in August of 2008, and Mm. then the first Twilight movie came out in November of that year. So all the books were done before the movie came out, and... Ryan was like, please, please, please read the Twilight books because (laughs) I've read them and I don't have any friends who've read them. I really want to go see the movie and talk about it. And I was like, what? No, like I was a junior. Yeah, I was a junior and they were like definitely geared towards a little bit younger. I was a big reader, but they just seemed a little young for me. And I was like, I don't know about that. And he's like, no, 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 read it. So I did. I devoured, like, all four in, like, a fucking week. Yeah, they're easy. They're super easy to super easy to read. They're not the most well-written books. But super addictive. Very addictive storyline. Um. So I watched that last night, and it just brought me a lot of happy, good feels. It's silly and cheesy, but...
0: That's why I like them. Yeah. I like they're it. They're just, like, they're good junk food movies. Like, they, they
1: are. Like yeah. And... Especially once they get into the whole like Jacob stuff and all oh, the war yeah. and stuff, that's, that's why all great. New Moon
0: and Eclipse are the best. Yeah, and then it's all about well, Jacob. Breaking Dawn is not good.
1: Yeah, either. but that's fun. Um, you forget Anna Kendrick was in that. She forgets, she forgets too. Yeah, yeah. that's great. <laughs> she posted on Twitter like,
0: "Oh yeah, I and forgot." I watched Love Simon. I watched I Love Simon. Love that movie.
1: <laughs> Um, which Ryan talked about the last episode. Great Berlanti. Um, yes. He
0: does all the Arrowverse stuff, if you guys aren't familiar, but he's like the Uber producer for CW, pretty much.
1: Yeah. And starring Nick Robinson, who I made the connection with after was the kid in Jurassic World, like oh, the older yeah, kid. Yeah yeah, 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 Um, he's incredible in this. I extremely love believable and yeah. charming. I love the and kid f-
0: who's in The Flash. Um, I can't remember his name now. But he plays Wally Keish on something. Um, but he's like... Mm. The, oh,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. Um, and then Timothy Oliphant and Jennifer Garner. Oh, my God. They were... I, no, Tim- it's
1: Josh Humal. Or
0: Josh Humal. Josh yeah. Humal was so adorable in this yeah. movie. Like, I couldn't handle... Like, when he fought... Fi- Oh, you guys gotta watch I don't want to spoil too much. Yeah,
1: like. we won't go oh, into the plot too much, so but good. it is funny because you can definitely tell. I just kept thinking like, oh man, if I was in high school right now, like watching this, because they definitely have like a couple people from the, uh, that Netflix show that 13 Reasons Why. Yep, yep, yep. And there are a couple, a couple actors from that are in it. You can, do, yeah, they're plucking from The Flash, the kid from The Flash is in it. Yeah. So you can tell it's like got like sort of what we used to call like the CW movies. Yep. Um, they're pulling from all these. But it was super adorable. Um, really good coming of age storyline. Um, yeah. So.
0: And great to just see like gay representation like that. Like, yeah. So and great.
1: not in like a. And just like a coming of age way. And not in a like. Oh this has to be about like being gay. And about how yeah. hard that is. or And those are obviously stories that need to be told. But we also need. The stories to be told where he comes from, just a regular family, he's a regular guy in high school, and, and like, this is he's just his story. To out. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> um, that's great. So I thought that was good. Um, I watched Frozen for the first time in like four years um, to get into my wintry spirit, and that movie's excellent. It was
0: great.
1: Um, it gets overplayed, and people are yep. sick of it, and that's a shame. Because it's wonderful. That's how I
0: feel about Nightmare on or Nightmare for Christmas. That movie's so good and everyone's uh-huh. like, Oh fuck that movie. I'm like, You've it's like just no, seen it's it so good. Much. Yeah. My topic killed that movie for you, I get it, but it's <sighs> a great movie. yeah.
1: Frozen Spectacular, Kristen Bell is a gift from the heavens. Always. And that's it. Uh last thing oh, two things finally kind of related to horror. I watched Mor- Murder on the Orient Express, which is based on the I get the Christie mystery. Um, genius Belgian detective Hercule Poirot investigates the murder of an American tycoon aboard the Orient Express train. Um, it was directed and starred, um, Kenneth Braun. Braun? He's, th-
0: he, he directed Thor. You'll most m- probably recognize him as Gilderoy Lock- Lockhart from Harry Potter.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, he's in a million things. He
0: does so much Shakespeare. So much Shakespeare.
1: I really liked this movie a lot. I loved
0: it. I thought it was.
1: I thought it was super good. Holy smokes! As far as cinematography
0: goes, I was in like it was a feast. Set pieces. I was like, Uh "Fuck, this movie is beautiful." It
1: was a beautiful
0: feast. Like Uh,
1: every part of it was just gorgeous to look at. Yep. A great. Cast. Oh,
0: yeah. So uh,
1: well done. And a great mystery. Like, mm-hmm. the whole time, I was like, hmm, hmm. And I was genuinely surprised at the the twist ending. I was like, oh my god, that makes so much... Like, it made so much sense. I wasn't like, oh, come on. I was like, fuck, how come I didn't even think of that? Um, I
0: love Michelle Pfeiffer in
1: this movie. Me too. She's so good. I was so pleasantly surprised. Um, I, don't, I don't know why... I mean, maybe it's a good thing I kind of went in with low expectations, I guess, because... I just heard that it was fine or it didn't do that well or something. Yeah, I and, think
0: it just came out know. when a bunch of other stuff came out. Yeah. It came out at a weird time, too. Like, it was a summer movie, which it probably shouldn't have been. Was it? Yeah, I, I saw it when I had a movie pass, though.
1: Oh, yeah, it did come out. It came out at a weird time because I remember going, oh, yeah, I really want to see that. Yeah. And then it kind of, like, disappearing. Um This is gorgeous. Like, definitely, like, highly recommend it. Um, It was streaming on HBO? Yep.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So
1: that's how I watched it. Um, That's how I watched a lot of this stuff, because it was all on HBO. Um, And then I finally watched A Quiet Place. Welcome to the land of... B watches everything a year after it comes out. Um, Weirdly directed by John Krasinski, if somehow you didn't know that yet. Um, I mean, this movie was just as great as I heard it was. Um, Post-apocalyptic and monsters and ambiguous and family drama. And I will say, disclaimer, don't watch this movie when you are pregnant. Um, I haven't really, I mean, it's been mentioned slightly, but I haven't super mentioned it on the podcast, but I am pregnant. And it was, I had to stop watching it um, about halfway through, and I was like, whew, okay, this is a little intense for me, it's a little bit too, like, hitting too close to home, um, Emily Blunt's character is pregnant in yep. this film, and, um, the thought of being in her situation, um, being pregnant is terrifying enough, um, in my very comfortable, modern, um, middle class life I live, and, whew, it's, incredibly well acted by all four characters um i love
0: that it feels like a silent movie it does 2018 which is
1: nuts um they cast a deaf actress to play the daughter who is deaf which i absolutely loved i loved that that played into the storyline about having to be silent with these monsters uh it's just superb really i mean it's super commercial it feels like a big commercial, big budget film, and I I don't know if people have issues with that, maybe. Some people, um, but I feel like, but... I think, I mean, that's just cool, because it got exposed to a lot more people than it would have, but I think yeah. this would have worked just as well with a lower budget and an indie little...
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's...
1: I mean, I'm catching up on this year, but this was... This is going to be a tough one to to beat out it was super that one
0: deserves all the critical acclaim and i'm
1: super excited for a second one um what i was saying ryan before we started the show is they're they're pretty vague about the monster and the reason why they have to be like quiet and sort of this like world we get stumbled on upon and we're just sort of seeing a portrait kind of reminded me of oh my god i'm not gonna remember the name of it i can just see the poster and it was like the wolf it comes at night Oh, gotta think of the poster to think of the title um, it felt very similar to that <laughs> in that we don't really know why, what's going on why they're sort of in this post-apocalyptic world, what the monster is, um, which is like themes of both of the movie uh, the difference is is it comes at night was just like,
0: super ambiguous. Was, like, Sup- too ambiguous no,
1: I'm yeah, it was a little too ambiguous, like you're never really sure if it is even anything or if it is a monster or what it is um, or at least with um a quiet place like you know what it is yeah there's a payoff like, um there's the a creature. payoff you see the creature you're just not really sure why or how it works um mm-hmm. and also um it comes at night is just fucking dreary I yeah, liked it I but mean, I,
0: too. I thought it was
1: a good film it's but,
0: but film. you
1: just it just drops you and you're like fuck okay yeah where a quiet place like you get a little bit more resolution than that. And I'm excited to see where they take this universe. Um, yeah, because it was
0: cool. Buku bucks.
1: And that, oh yeah, that was a lot.
0: Yeah. We, we watched a lot. Yeah. Sorry guys. Um, well, try, maybe I'll try to make an edit if you want to skip it to go straight to, but just listen to it all. Anyway.
1: Yeah, we'll let you know at what point you can skip to hear us talk about Black Christmas. Yeah, Black Christmas
0: 1974. So um, if you guys haven't seen on social media, we've been advertising, we're doing a Black Christmas month. So we're going to watch the original Black Christmas from 74 and then the remake, which was 2006. Six. Um, so one of those mid-aughts remakes that we love so much. Uh, the synopsis is a sorority house is terrorized by a stranger who makes frightening phone calls and then murders the sorority sisters during Christmas break. If you guys haven't seen this yet, it is streaming for free on Shudder. Well, I mean, not for free, for your Shudder membership. It's yes. five bucks. So go watch it because it is truly a classic. Um, I think other than Bay of Blood, this will be the first movie we're covering that is technically like widely considered not exactly slasher. Um, so proto
1: slasher. Proto slasher. It is, which we'll get into, but it is wildly credited as the reason Halloween exists. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and besides Peeping Tom, wa- wa- the first film to use POV shots, um, this this with a Bay of Blood is literally like one of the first slasher films. Yeah. Like, it's started the genre, so it's pretty exciting.
0: Uh, yeah, um, it's, and it really is uh, It's a classic for slashers. So, like, it is one of those ones you have to see.
1: It is. It's And watching this, uh, you know, I watched it last year. I actually was gifted the Scream Factory uh, mm-hmm. Blu-ray of it for Christmas last year. And um, when I watch it again this year... I watched it this weekend and I was just, I just thought, I was like, I think I could actually almost watch this movie not during Christmas. Yeah. uh, Like, even though it is a very, it is hardcore a Christmas movie, it's such an incredible like, uh, portrait and of just these girls and the sorority and, uh, their personalities and their characters are so well fleshed out and so three dimensional.
0: Well, I think um, too because unlike Silent Night, Deadly Night, the kills are not Christmas themed. No, like the entire environment is, and the Christmas motif plays into how the movie is shot. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a and lot the of score. Like, yeah, is
1: very reliant on but Christmas. Like, it
0: doesn't like it does not rely on like Silent Night, Deadly Night using that as like a way to actually kill people um it just is it, i mean it
1: just happened to take place during christmas yeah. break this and this movie could take place anytime anytime
0: unlike um, when, and we'll get to it with black xmas but black xmas like the murder, is 100 percent built from christmas like mm-hmm. his his or her i can't remember the twist in the movie um or the origins are like christmas based yes. Where this is random completely at random um it had some other titles before it landed on Black Christmas. Stop Me was the original title, but Bob Clark came up with Black Christmas saying he liked the irony of something dark occurring such a, uh, during such a festive holiday. Um, Stranger in the House was another one. Um, it was set to make its network television premiere on Saturday night, January 28th, 1978, on Saturday night at the movies, which was a thing. It was a program NBC. Actually, most networks used to run something like yeah. that. Lots of made-for-TV movies in this era. mm mm-hmm. um, but prior to the premiere, Chi Omega Sorority House on the campus of uh, Florida State University in Tallahassee was scene of a double murder in which two Chi Omega sisters asleep in their beds were bludgeoned to death. And the killer went to the sorority house and attacked two more co-eds um, who ended up being Ted Bundy. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, didn't go with that. So,
1: and they changed the title for uh, this special. It was going to be called Stranger in the, Ho- um, Stranger in the House To premiere, I think they were trying to get away from the Christmas title because it wasn't going to air during Christmas. Um, And so I don't even think this title ever ended up getting used. It's how they were advertising it for this special um, on TV. So it's like the TV edition of Black Christmas is called Stranger in the House. Um, And then, sort of another like crazy scenario that often happens in horror where like real life. Yeah, coincides, even if the art comes before and is no way influencing the killer whatsoever, yeah. which is a fucking, like, insane coincidence that one of the most famous serial killers, Ted Bundy, um, killed some sorority sisters, like, the same time that the film was going to come out um, on TV. Um, and then probably most famously, um, Silent Night, Evil Night, it did come out in America under that... Um, because and I love they, why? Well, and it totally makes sense. I'll share anecdote, a funny sure, anecdote why. Of why. Um, so Warner Brothers initially changed it, worrying that people would think it was a black exploitation film. Um, and after the initial release, they pulled it and um, restored it back to Black Christmas for subsequent screenings. Um, I mean, today I went looking for the soundtrack on iTunes, um, and I typed in Black Christmas, and I got. Christmas music by Black artists, and I was like, "Oh, you know, I get it."
0: Well, yeah, especially in the era, especially like, again, in the '70s. You gotta remember, like Blackula, and yeah. like just everything they were just mm-hmm. doing, anything they can to make those Black exploitation movies. So I can understand like why they would. I mean, for America, because yeah. this
1: is a this was a hardcore Canadian film. Oh yeah, and in that was every possible American way, yeah. and so. It's when it came out for its American release a month later that they were like, "Hmm, this title might not work here."
0: In um, uh, Canada, it came out just a couple weeks before Halloween, October 11th, and 74. But it did have a a true Christmas release in the U.S. December 20th, so just five days before Christmas, um, and it made good money. Yeah,
1: six hundred twenty thousand for its budget. It grossed a little over four million. Um, and was a critical success even oh, yeah. at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, it currently holds seventy percent on Rotten Tomatoes. if You guys listen to um, the
0: show; you know that is high, high, high. Yes, so
1: high. Um, sort of the <coughs> top review says the rare slasher with enough ital- intelligence to wind up the tension between bloody outbursts. Black Christmas offers fiendishly enjoyable holiday viewing for genre fans. Obviously, that's not a horror fan, as they knock slasher films in that review, <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: um you know and they use words like innovative and they praised olivia and Margot, which i totally agree with they are excellent in this film um yeah it's it's really funny when uh we look at films that are like highly like well received and this one actually won for Best Feature Film for the Canada Film Awards outside of horror. Um, Margot Kidder won Best Performance by a Lead Actress. Um, The Sound Editing won. Um, It was nominated for Best Motion Picture for the Edgar Allan Poe Awards. So this is outside of horror. This is just film in general. So it's always funny when uh, horror films are well regarded by non-horror fans. (sighs) They always have to knock other horror films and be yeah. like, well, Black Christmas is better because unlike all the those other trashy, terrible slasher films. Yeah,
0: just go, I'm yeah. sure you'll read some A uh, Quiet Place reviews because yeah. they'll be, I mean, it's getting nominated for all sorts yeah. of crap. I guarantee you that movie will not be classified as a horror. It oh, yeah. It'll be a thriller. It's
1: going to, yeah. It, or like goddamn time. Or drama. Ax- A drama. Yeah. 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 Kills me. It's, it's... That's the worst. It is the worst. It's kind of, it's so funny. And even Bob Clark, um, when he talked about the the film, he, had, he definitely said it was a, well, a psychological thriller, I think is what he liked to call it. He was very adamant that it was not a slasher film. Um, in his defense, it is a proto slasher, and he didn't really have any control he was one of the first so he had no control over what came out of the 80s and what came out of all of the holiday themed movies that were inspired by this and that might not have been what he critically thought were great movies so in his defense like I do kind of get it it's not like he made this film in you know 88 after you know halloween and silent night deadly night and mother's day and my bloody valentine like this came before so i get it but it's always a little frustrating as a fan of the genre when you can't it can't be a great movie and be a horror movie um critically usually critically yeah but we're here to tell you this is an excellent movie and it's like pure horror
0: yeah um Love this tagline on the poster. The uh, tagline is, if this picture doesn't make your skin crawl, it's on too tight.
1: What does uh, that mean? What do you mean? What does that mean to you? Like, your skin's on too tight.
0: Um, I just... I never, like, thought of, like, how tight my skin was. I thought it was just saying, like, this picture needs to make your skin crawl. I know.
1: That's what... I think about this because... I have the Blu-ray, and every time I look at this tagline, it's so weird, and it's a creepy tagline. If this picture doesn't make your skin crawl, it's on too tight, and it's it's saying. I think it's sort of playing with the idea that like you're so uptight and rigid in your skin that there's no room for anything to crawl underneath it. You know, like you're pulled so straight and narrow.
0: Right. I can see that. I also just see it as like it being like this movie's. This I mean, this picture is. Supposed to creep you out, and if it doesn't, something's wrong with you. Yeah. Um, the post or the poster is um, uh, an artist rendering of one of the kills in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, one one of the more infamous kills. Um, it is very. Chilling, <laughs> yeah, because it's like super festive, but it's a girl. <laughs> in yeah, it's yeah, it's Claire. Yeah,
1: it's Claire's the first one to die in the, oh, the film. Plastic bag it's of when red. she's in the attic, and he, uh, our killer Billy, puts her in a rocking chair, and this is sort of like recreating that, and so she's sitting there, but also there's like a doll on her chair and a candle, and then you have this like, it's really playing with what the title does, the like juxtaposition of a very cheery Christian holiday mm-hmm. with something extremely dark and morbid. Mm. Um, well,
0: she's surrounded by what is it, holly? holly. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: So it's a wreath of holly. And then the rest of the poster goes into black and white and it's Black Christmas typeset in, uh, I actually don't know what font that is. Some kind of thick uh, serif. It's altered. I do know that font. It's, let me think about it. It's going to bug me. Um, and like a bow, and then you sort of see like the scene below in a very Christmas card fashion of the sorority house with the big Christmas tree out front, but then there's the sheriff car, um, and then our, um, little, um, lines of titles of who it is, and then you also will see the American title in the bottom corner, so (laughs) a night evil night.
0: Yeah, I love this poster. Um, And what's crazy is, like, I don't think it should work because it's kind of everywhere. Like, the tagline is, like, this weird, light like, blue color. And then, like, I think the font for the title is very jarring and, like, out of place. And the wreath, like, doesn't even complete a full circle. And it seems, like, cut off. But it's just, like, to me, that is 100% what this movie is. It's, like,
1: very, yeah.
0: like, jarring, kind of, like, st- stunning um imagery.
1: I have a hard time um separating myself from this one as a designer and critiquing it because it seems so at place in its time. Um and as like a 70s illustrated poster, uh it's really appropriate and so like Ryan said, he he's looking at it and even he knows like that's not really how it should be. Um you know, it's, it's fitting and it's time. And so it's almost like it's so old that I'm like, yeah, well, of course this is what the poster and of course it's successful because this is a poster from the seventies. And, um, I don't, I will say even on this, like the tagline doesn't work, um, at all. It needs to not be up there and it needs to be, um, below the Christmas illustrated scene. And this would be like a plus uh, from a design standpoint as well. It would actually look like a Christmas card being sent out. Um, why is the light
0: blue font though? That's weird to me.
1: Um, yeah, I'm not sure. Contrast, um, separation. It really bugs me that it's a, um, Sarah font, um, or sans serif font. Um, it's completely different than anything else on the poster and doesn't fit stylistically. So um, that will be my only qualm with that is if I were to, like, print this out on my wall, I'd actually probably, like, erase that and just make it black. Because <laughs> it would look better.
0: Uh, no sequels, unfortunately. Like we mentioned, it has the remake. Wait, in 08 or 06? 06. It's 06. Yeah. Um, they attempted to... Produced sequel Halloween was a, um, originally considered kind of like uh, carpenter was conceiving it as a sequel because he loves black Christmas, um, but uh, that obviously turned into something much different.:
1: Well, yeah, <laughs> Bob Clark actually wrote a script of um, Billy not getting caught and or getting caught and being in an asylum and escaping and coming back to the sorority house. interesting. And killing the people who then lived there. Uh, He wrote that. And then uh, Halloween came out. And it was obviously extremely similar. He talks about it on the bonus features for... um, There's a ton of bonus features on the Blu-ray that Screen Factory put out. There's one called... um, I don't know. It's whatever the documentary one is called. And that's where Bob Clark is... um, Or they're talking about... It's not Bob Clark himself people talking about Bob Clark's sequel and how he had written it and then Halloween was essentially that movie ended up being tonally something extremely different. Um, But like storyline-wise, very similar. And John Carpenter admitted that he was very inspired by Black Christmas and it was one of his favorites. And I guess they were working on one after the remake,
0: in 07. So yeah.
1: the remake came out in 06. I don't think we haven't got into it yet, but I don't think it was successful commercially. I don't think it did very well. Yeah. I don't think so. Um, and so I guess after that, Bob Clark was inspired to put out a sequel and, um, Olivia Hesse and John Saxon agreed to replace their roles. And then of course, in 2007, Bob Clark was tragically killed in a car accident.
0: That's sad. I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so no sequels, just like my Bloody Valentine. Just a remake. Uh, Carl Zittler did this. Uh, was the composer. Uh, in an interview, he said he created bizarre music for the film uh, by tying forks, combs, knives to the strings of the piano so the sound would warp as he struck the keys. He also said he would distort the sound further by recording audio tape while putting pressure on the reels. Um, and this is very apparent by watching the movie because the sound is super weird and creepy and, like, reminds me a lot of this era of mm-hmm. this like kind of 70s era 70 80s era where if you weren't doing synth like halloween you were doing this weird like super discordant like creepy um
1: yeah if you go back and watch like Brenda palma's carrie um the score seems so strange because it'll just sort of be nothing and just atmospheric music and then all of a sudden like the score gets in and it's like really intense and that's kind of what this one's like as well. Um and they're playing with the whole chorus of Christmas music and yeah, lots piano. Of Christmas music. Um and but not like Christmas music like caroling. I mean it's yeah. Christmas music but i feel like not what we associate as christmas music anymore it's caroling um and really not so much music but like vocals and like music creepy so yeah um the phone calls were performed by um nick mancuso and director bob clark and then an actress as well um when like interviewed about it, like nobody can really remember like the actress who did it. They're like, Oh yeah, it was so long ago. Weird. Um yeah. he also
0: plays like the one time you see that outline of um, Billy.
1: Yeah. Otherwise, all of the shots of Billy with his hands and everything were all the cameraman. Um
0: his a creepy eye.
1: Um, I don't know who that is. Yeah. I didn't look that the up. Part. It might be him, the cameraman. Um, I'm not sure, but The crazy thing is that they filmed this in a real house. It wasn't a set. Mm. Um, And so they definitely talked about on this documentary, which is really fascinating. The way they filmed this, which is great and really interesting. um, It's a lot of like 360 shots, a lot of POV from Billy's point of view, but also instead of like panning in to something, Clark would pan across. Um, And if you watch it, there's just so much movement with the camera Mm -hmm. that you don't see a ton. Um, And the fact that he did this in the 70s with massive, super heavy camera equipment in a house, not a stage, is so much harder. Um, And the cameraman, I'm going to pull up his name because he needs to be mentioned by um, name. Um, Actually had to create an entire device to put the camera on his shoulder so he could like climb the trellis in the very beginning when he mm-hmm. gets into the attic. Um, the technology didn't exist that does now where you can just freaking throw a camera on your forehead pretty much and just climb up or right on your shoulder. So we had this whole like metal contraption that would, that got the camera on his shoulder so he was able to use both hands and get these POV shots. And it's probably one of the reasons why we didn't see it that often um before this because it wasn't something that was super easy to do
0: that stuff always makes this like so interesting to find out too like when we found out how when they filmed terror train yeah
1: that it was in an actual train (laughs) and how they had to have this like super talented like electrician go in and light the entire thing um because it wasn't a set
0: yeah. Super. I didn't know that. that it's filmed. The
1: Canadians, house. man.
0: Yeah, that's true. It is that Canadian. Yeah. Uh, the, the innovativeness. So Bob Clark obviously directed. He did Porky's and A Christmas Story. Um, Porky's, if you haven't seen it, is kind of like a 70s version of American Pie, but like way more sexist and raunchy. And then A Christmas Story is the perennial classic that airs for 24 hours on TBS now. Pretty sure everyone has seen A Christmas Story. Absolutely love that he has made two classic Christmas movies on completely opposite sides of the spectrum um which i think is just great roy moore wrote this which is it's his only credit besides obviously credit on the remake because it's a story by roy moore <coughs> excuse me um olivia hussey plays jess who is our kind of like final girl or our lead girl there's lots of women in this obviously because it takes place in a sorority house um but that cast is whittled down so she was very famous for Romeo and Juliet. Like perhaps other than Romeo plus Juliet, the most famous um, film version of that movie. Uh, she was also in Psycho Four. Perhaps
1: one hundred percent. One other? Yeah. Yeah.
0: No. Definitely. I mean, that film is. Yeah. Um. Some movie called Ice Cream Man. I don't know what that what? is.
1: That's a horror movie.
0: Oh, with um. yeah. Cla- uh, That's Howard? why I put it Clint- in there Because yeah. I thought oh, it was really okay. funny That's really random Yeah. And then she plays um, In the IT TV movie She plays in the second inferior part uh, Setter and Bill's Wife, uh, Audrey She is a babe Uh she's a babe Kier plays Peter He's a creep Margot Kidder plays Barb She is very famous from the Superman franchise She played Lois Lane um definitely the, uh, like the first person that like really made her a, a household name um made her very you know like brought her to life on screen yeah uh um, kira
1: is uh famous for being in 2001 a space odyssey i forgot to put that
0: in oh yeah it stars okay. in that film
1: most of these actors all have very successful careers yeah
0: i mean john saxon who's yeah. lieutenant ken fuller you'll 100 percent recognize him immediately those eyebrows um, he's Roper in Nightmare on Elm Street franchise. That's Nancy's father. Um, Marion Waldman is Mrs. Mack, who's like, what do they call her? The house mother, right? Huh? The, 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 what are they called? House mothers? Yeah. Yeah. Um, she's in a ton of like things. Like, so much things. Um, and then just a huge cast. Andrea yeah. Martin is Phil. James Edmund is Mr. Harrison. Doug McGrath is Sergeant Nash. Art Handel is Chris Hayden. Lynn Griffin is Claire Harrison. More and more and more and more um like laughing detective john rudder because yeah. that's truly all he does is start laughing when a fellatio joke is really yeah
1: like. he just like cracking up the entire He's, time
0: and he laughs for like three minutes straight I, so was, funny. I was kind of cracking up when that happened um classify it subgenre, definitely I, I mean it is like other than chainsaw it is the proto slasher um like one of the most famous in bay of blood uh you know and then i guess if you go far enough back you can kind of look at like psycho and peeping tom mm-hmm. um it's a who done it kind of um i mean yeah we, we know who the character is the whole time but like
1: but not really yeah. you're still like led to you don't know if it's um a stranger i they do
0: play with the idea of it possibly being Peter. They
1: really play with that yeah. a lot. Um, um and like you're pretty convinced it's him until he dies. Yeah, and he's a creep too.
0: So yeah. um Keir uh Dulio is does a very good job at playing like as this like very untrustworthy kind of controlling boyfriend. Um, because he finds out that Jess what, he finds out that Jess is pregnant and she's going to get an abortion. Yeah, she
1: lets him and, like, know and, like, sort of shit. like I've. She's made her decision. She's having an abortion. She has plans for her life, and this wasn't included in it. And he is like flips out and is like, "Oh my goodness!" She's like, "I wasn't even going to tell you." Um, I mean, I definitely have. This is super controversial still now. Mm -hmm. I mean, I have like my own thoughts on that for sure. Like, it definitely is. Like, not that I'm not pro-choice. I'm 100% pro-choice, and that is her decision. But I mean, that's also his child, so he has every right to be super upset. Um, and I do think
0: it was weird. He's like, "We're gonna get married," and she's like, "I'm not." No, yeah, she's like,
1: here. "I'm not marrying you." Um, so it definitely plays with that whole like. That was sort of what was expected if if you were, you know, partaking in premarital sex at that time. And you accidentally got pregnant, then you immediately got married, mm-hmm. and that was your life. Then you were a mother, and if you were going to college or if you had other plans, too bad. Um, yeah. And this is why safe sex is important.
0: I do. I like. I like Jess a lot as a lead, mm-hmm. um, and especially for this time to have a lead character who is going to stand up and say, "I'm not marrying you. And yeah, I am getting an abortion, yeah. and I want to continue my life." Although I think it's heavily inferred. That she ends up wanting to keep the child, Um, is it? I feel like when she's like watching the carolers, like the look on her face Uh, is kind of like I don't know if that's inferring
1: like I'm going to keep my child. I think it's just trying to really let like humanize her even more and just show like that's just because you're having an abortion doesn't mean you don't want children. That's true, or that it's not an extremely hard and conflicting decision to have to make. It's just you're making the decision because it wasn't, it's not the right time.
0: Right. Which she goes into. Yeah. Um, The killer is Billy. Uh, There is no motive. There is no backstory.
1: We know nothing about him.
0: Sometimes this works and sometimes it doesn't. There are times where I need a backstory. Like Mm -hmm. finding out about Samara in the Ring is integral to that movie. Mm -hmm. And it makes it a good movie. Um, Yeah,
1: if she was just the girl that killed you on the phone, you'd be like, What the fuck?
0: Yeah, finding out about Billy Loomis makes that movie. Yeah. I didn't need to know about Billy, and he's way, way scarier for me not knowing anything. It makes it kind of terrifying.
1: (sighs) Yeah, so (laughs) it's—John Carpenter takes notes from this again— Um, originally, before we get the sequels to Halloween, uh, Michael's, we barely know anything about Michael from the original film.
0: Yeah, we don't, Um, he murdered his sister. Yeah. And then escaped from mental asylum. That's it. That's
1: pretty much it. We don't know why he's stalking Lori or why he's killing any of these people. There's no motive. There's no reasoning. It's just because he's crazy Mm because he's a psycho. Um, and for Billy, all we know about him is that he killed a girl um, a young girl, mm-hmm. and then... Hid in
0: this house. Hid in
1: this house. Climbed a trellis and got in this attic and hid in the house and was like, cool, now I'm gonna kill all these people too.
0: And he's obviously, like, super disturbed. He, he's calling the women... He's tormenting them. yeah. And he's and this fucking is, vulgar.
1: This is why it's a slasher. This is why, like, I would argue with the people who say it's, like, a psychological thriller. Oh my god, totally has those vibes too. But he's stalking these girls mm-hmm. when he doesn't have to. Yep. He could be up there, just wait for them to go to sleep and kill them. But instead he torments them. Yeah,
0: he's playing games. It's he
1: plays games with them. That is a what goes on to be in very iconic slasher trope. Mm-hmm. It's not about the kill. It's not just about the kill. It's also about... The person they're going to kill, and making sure they're fucking scared
0: before you kill them. Yep, yeah, it's that fear, mm-hmm. um, which I think is what pushes thrillers into horror territory. It's when you start inducing that fear. Yeah, um, iconic weapon there is none. The plastic bag is a is a big, obviously like imagery it's
1: iconic to this film. <coughs> yeah, it's iconic to Billy the Killer. Yeah, it's, so is the
0: glass unicorn. Yeah, it's a very famous shot from this movie. Yeah. Um, but he uses pretty much a different weapon for every kill. Um, so the movie starts off, and it, the girls are going home for Christmas holiday, essentially. Um, they're having a Christmas party before they all start leaving. And uh, so we're introduced kind of all to all these, like, cast of characters. Um, there's lots of them. It was, like, as soon as I started this, I was like, fuck, I'm not going to be able to keep track of all these, like, people. Because, mm-hmm. like, I just, like, I don't know. I I was like, there's just a lot of people. And, I, I, it, I mean, it just reminded me again of, like, Black Xmas. But, like, I know so many of those actresses, it's easier for me to keep track of. Well,
1: because you're going to know them by name. Yeah. It's like, oh, Michelle Jackson, Katie Cassidy. And that's how I have to, like, keep track of... Mary Elizabeth um, Winstead.
0: Sorority Row, too. Because I'm like, that movie's got, like, so many women in it. I'm just like, I can't keep track. Uh, Too many women? (laughs) Too many women. Um, So we're introduced to all these characters and, like, uh, you know... (laughs) What's the line I text you? Uh, we're, We're given, like, a brief glimpse. Like, this is kind of when we find out about, like, Jess um and she's pregnant this is when we find out about uh Margot's char- uh Margo kidder's character um what is her name and she's like kind barb. of a, yeah she's kind of a drunk she's from like a. you're a
1: real gold-plated whore mother
0: yeah so barb is supposed to go on like a vacation with her mom like a like a snow trip and then her mom like basically calls and says like she's, i met a guy yeah she's going with some dude and i i'm loving it because like first of all she's like Barb is obviously, like, drinking probably the most out of everyone, but she's on the phone with her, and she's like, what do you mean you met some guy? Well, what's his name? And then she says, you're a real gold-plated whore, mother. And I text B and I was like, this is my favorite line in the movie, for sure.
1: I know. It <laughs> reminded me, because this movie has a lot of great lines, and some iconic lines, like, he's in the house. Yeah. Um... That maybe we should add a uh, favorite should, line yeah. or, like, iconic line. We
0: definitely need to because it happens in, like, almost everything. Yeah,
1: there's always something that's just, like, so great.
0: Um, and you know, Plus, we, it'll make
1: we, us better at trivia, which I'm terrible at.
0: <laughs> um, we meet, like, the house mother, Miss Mac. Um, so, we're introduced to, like, kind of all these characters. And we also, like, right before they go to bed is kind of where we get the first glimpse of that like because she when uh billy calls and they she even says oh it's the moaner again um so he's been calling and like it's really disgusting um there are certain things like i can stomach all sorts of uh like weird violent deaths but for some reason like the things he was saying over the phone just barf me out so hard barf
1: you out so hard <laughs> like, <laughs> that sentence barfs me out well like
0: just like i don't even know it's because he it says cunt well, and also just like
1: that makes you just so the mad. way he
0: says things yeah. too, and he's like, "I'm yes. gonna stick my dick in you," like all weird like that, and then like there's also like
1: yeah, it's fucking terrifying, right? Yeah,
0: and there's like weird screaming happening all the time behind it, and I was like, "Fuck, this is so like a hundred percent." They're like, "It's the motor." I'm like, "This guy, I would have called cops. Like, call one because mm-hmm. he's terrifying." Um. Yeah. Yeah. So. And then... um
1: Do you know what's even more terrifying,
0: though, is that for some reason,
1: guys think it's okay to talk that way just in regular conversation. Or, like, if it's, like, a dating scenario, which, thank God, I have not been on the dating scene since I was nineteen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Ben, for marrying me. But that's... They just, like, oh, yeah, like, you want to... And then they say really disgusting things. It's like, you can't say that to people.
0: yeah. And just, just
1: like so casually.
0: That's it. Like really, every time I watch this movie, I don't it know what. You, I don't
1: know what's worse—the casual saying of it or the creepy on the Definitely phone the moaning. Definitely the creepy
0: on the phone moaning. I don't know. What if you were on a date and someone, some guy's like, "I'm gonna put my <laughs> dick in here. like just like weird. No, I don't like it at all. Um, ugh. So uh, the girls are like a lot of them leave. Um, cause they're going on like actual holiday. They're leaving the college campus and some Claire's are trying to leave. Yeah. So Claire is trying to leave. She's packing up. I believe she's called her boyfriend, right?
1: Her boyfriend was there. They say goodbye. Yeah. Um, and then she's like, okay, I'm going to go upstairs and pack. My dad's going to meet me.
0: Yeah. And then she's like messing around with her cat, which had a name I can't remember now. Clyde. The house cat. It yeah.
1: was the den mother's cat. Yeah. Um, a scary looking cat.
0: Yeah. So, and then she thinks the cat's in the closet. And this is like, we get the POV shot of, and I love this shot too, because it's POV behind the plastic bag that he's eventually going to mm-hmm. use to kill her. And this, this like, the. So close to the phone call, this 100% just shows you that it's a pretty brutal movie and even though you don't see most of the kills, but like seeing her suffocate in that plastic bag is pretty harsh. Um,
1: Fun fact of trivia, the actress who plays Claire was a swimmer and she would um, poke a tiny little hole in the plastic bag and then suck air through it and then was able to hold her breath for long periods of time from her swimming practice.
0: Wow, that's awesome. Yes. So that is the first kill. Um I'm full and,
1: of trivia this episode. Yeah.
0: Um, and then we move on to the, ne- like, the next day. And, um, this is, like, they're starting to get worried because um, Claire's parents were supposed to pick her up and she's not there. So they're, like, wondering where she is. Um... And then they start to go on to look for her. I didn't realize Miss McHenry died before they find Janice in the park, right? Is that the girl who dies in the park, Janice? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I guess... The dead uh, mother
1: dies second.
0: Okay. So, yeah, the dead mother is, by the way, a lush. She, she's she
1: amazing. Has, she has, like, stashes of oh, alcohol I hidden. It. I, she loves. It doesn't make any sense it's to It's all me. Sherry,
0: first of all. It's all I don't Sherry.
1: understand why she's hiding her... because she doesn't want the girls, like, drinking... Or she's not supposed... My guess is, as a den mother, she's, she's not, not supposed to, to drink, be drinking. Because yeah. the girls um, drinking. front Yeah, of they're having a party. Yeah, they're drinking, um, like,
0: spiked to Yeah,
1: on. and it's so funny, though, because she has it, like, in the back of the toilet, and it hidden, cut it out of a book.
0: Yeah, she has it in a dictionary under B for booze. <laughs> yeah. And then in the toilet one, I've so great... That scene, she's brushing her teeth, and she's, like, singing to herself. And I, like, noticed, I was like, she didn't she because she gets the sherry out i was like she hasn't spit her fucking toothpaste out and i was like so is she gonna drink it with the sherry but she uses the sherry as mouthwash. yeah um yeah so mrs mac is great Um, Yeah, i loved her and she goes like a
1: dope dead mother
0: yeah she goes looking for the cat in the attic which the whole time which is also fantastic she's going how did you get up here how did, I don't even know how you would get up here. And I'm like, yeah, your cat can't climb a fucking ladder. But she's still, like, going up the ladder to look for him. Um, and this whole scene's great, too, because it's just so good at building that tension. Well, and because
1: you know Billy's up there. Yeah,
0: you know, but first so, of all, that attic's hella creepy. Um, it's got, like, fucking dolls and shit in it. All these old rocking chairs. And, like, creepy dusty shit. shit. Yeah. And then Billy's up there, literally just like a cartoon. Like Wile E. Coyote waiting with this giant fucking hook. And then... I love it because it plays like a cartoon because she, like, pops her head in and then the step, like, breaks and she, like, pops out real quick and you just see Billy and he's just, like, holding that hook there. Um, And then she pops her head back in and he releases the hook and um, you actually don't see the kill on screen. You see the hook. um, You get actually a shot uh, from the hook perspective, um, but, like, you don't see the kill on screen. But then Miss McHenry dies. Um, While this is happening, the police have been notified of, like, Claire's, uh, that Claire's missing. And, um, they find, while they're looking for her, and this is another death you don't see, which, um, I imagine is because the kid's supposed to be, like, 12 or something. Um, yeah, she's,
1: like, a middle schooler or yeah, something. Yeah,
0: um, they find another body of Janice, uh, the girl Janice. And that's when the police start to take this, like, very seriously. Like, shit. Um, yeah, so they find that, then th- this is when, uh, what's this, John Saxon's character gets involved because a t- uh, Lieutenant Ken Fuller. So they bring a detective on and he's the one who's like, okay, so this house that has been getting these weird calls and now this girl is missing and we found this dead body, like, this, is, this needs to be taken seriously. Um, so uh but it, you made a note earlier too about like bob clark pushing for the humor in it right mm-hmm. um and it's funny because like there is a lot like like there i said is. that hook kill does have that like cartoonish element and then there's the whole interaction with john saxon and his teammate um yeah the was, like, interaction big, like, with yeah, yeah with the
1: cops and a lot of the dialogue with like barb being sort of like the comic relief um because she's obviously
0: a partier
1: yeah she's a partier but she's upset i mean she feels a little abandoned at Mm -hmm. the holidays from her mom um and it doesn't matter if you're in college like it doesn't matter how old you are like if your like family like bails on you or doesn't want to spend time with you like that's hard and so she uses humor to make herself feel better and her like coping device ends up being our sort of comedic relief in the film Mm -hmm. because the joke she's making is helping us feel a little less tense knowing that there's a fucking killer inside the house they're all in. Um, And those light moments are what come to be a big part of slasher films. Mm -hmm. That balance of comedy and horror um, is integral to what makes a slasher work. Um, And I think a big reason why is because... The people that they're about, a house full of sorority girls or, you know, high school group of friends um, or a group like of young adult minors, like no matter what, these groups of people that are in slashers, they're still people. And although like dark stuff happens to all of us, there are still light comedic moments. And I, it's one of the things I love about slashers so much is that They work best when they remember that. And part of what that makes this movie so fantastic outside of being a proto slasher is the characters are super Mm three-dimensional and realistic. And I can tell you that Barb copes with her mother kind of abandoning her at Christmas with comedy because they give us that information. Yeah. And, um, that's, what's so great about it.
0: Yeah. Um, they do a good job of, like... I mean, we definitely spend the most amount of time with Jess. Uh-huh. Uh, but, like like I said, like... And
1: um, her boyfriend, Peter. <coughs> yeah. Um.
0: But they do a good job of at least, like... You're not spending a whole lot of time with these girls, but you're spending enough time to know, like, okay, this is kind of who they are as a character, and it does make you care more when they die. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, Barb is actually the next to go. So by this point... So the cops have come in. They tap the phone so that um, they can... The, if if he calls back, it will also they'll be able to answer at the police department and like hear the call, and then they have someone waiting down at the like the phone, um, like the telephone company trying to trace the call.
1: Um. Yes, yeah, so at the
0: which by the operator. way operator. Yeah, that whole building just looked like nonsense to me. I was like, I don't understand what the <laughs> hell he's doing running around there, just like checking these weird little things. Um, whole like so confusing. I was. I, I can, would never be able to do that. Um, but Barb and Phyllis have both gone to bed at this point. Because, mm-hmm. uh, well, I mean, what, Barb got trashed the night before? Because I think the cop even says, like, oh, is that She got morning?
1: trashed that day. Yeah. Remember oh, she's yeah, at yeah, the, she's at the police station. She's at the police station Giving him the Flatio number. Yeah. And then she comes back because she was volunteering in the morning with the kids and she was drinking because she was upset about her mom. Right. Because
0: he's like the cop even makes a mention. He's like, oh, is that the one who's at the station earlier? Yeah. Yeah. let Her sleep. Yeah. And then um, Phyllis, who has been looking for Claire all day, kind of has a breakdown on Jess and was like, I know she's dead. Like, I feel so bad for her parents. And and then she she goes to sleep as well.
1: Fun fact that uh, the actress who plays her then goes on to play the dead mother in Black Xmas.
0: Yeah, and she's also killed off screen, kind of like her door just closes really slowly, and it's again like, like you can kind of just guess that like Billy is killing her because we do see her dead body later. Yeah,
1: it's like a reveal of her in the bed yeah. with. Barb? with barb so yeah. barb
0: is definitely the, like one of the most iconic kills in this one it's probably the most graphic and like most violent and the most seen so she's laying in bed um and this we whole a, scene yeah. is so good because the these christmas carolers come to the door And, like I said, choral music is fucking creepy. Yeah,
1: Jess is out there listening to them.
0: Yeah, and we're getting this cut of, like, Bob Clark and whoever the editor was for this movie, I don't have their name present, sorry, um, did such a great job at making sure, like, that we're cutting back and forth between Billy killing um, Barb and, like, Jess watching these carolers. And it's, like, these really creepy, like, shots of, like, very, like, Close up on the killer is, like, uh, one or two of their faces while singing, and then flashing back, and we get, like, this very iconic scene of just Billy's eye. Like, his whole body is silhouetted except for this eye as he brings, like, this glass horn down into Barb numerous times. You know, we see her hand, like, reach up and break all these ornaments that you don't hear because of the music. Uh, it's just probably one of the best, like, pieces in the movie as far as, like, just a whole like, working together with, like, sound design and editing and, like, the actual kill and the acting is all fantastic. Um, and just really, like, they have this, like, whole eye motif the whole movie with Billy and it's super fucking creepy. And he doesn't have, like, weird eyes or anything. It's just, like, this thing where, like, no matter what, all you can ever see is his eye. Like, no matter how he's still Because they're just
1: trying to keep him yeah. super...
0: <clears throat> so you just only see his eye. And it's always like a very manic, like wild, searching eye. Um,
1: Albert J. Duncan was the cinematographer. Oh, okay. So props um,
0: to Albert J. J. Duncan because um, he does some great stuff. <coughs> um, so yeah, at this point, Barb is dead. Jess finally gets a call from the house and they're able to trace it. And they realize that the calls are coming from inside the house. Um, so, um, Saxon's character, I forget his name again, Start, um, Lieutenant, whatever. Lieutenant Fuller calls back to the police station, was like, you need to call the house. I can't get a hold of the copy station outside. You need to call the house and tell her to leave. Don't tell her that the calls are coming from inside the house. Don't freak her out, but tell her to leave. So the police station at the desk calls her, and while this is happening, we also get a flash over to Officer Jennings, whose throat is slit in his car. So his eyes are wide open, his throat is just, like, pretty much raw, um, like, split open. And the deputy calls over to the house to tell Jess to leave, um and she's like kind of hesitant she's like well i need to get barb and phyllis and he like breaks his word and he's like there is the calls are calling from inside the house so you need to leave yeah, the, the killers house. in the house yeah which that moment is chilling yeah um and like especially big props to um olivia Hussey for that scene because when she's staying at the door like yelling for them and just like slowly breaking down more and more and she's like you have to like She's like, Barb, Phyllis, are you here? Like, you have to tell me you're here. Please be here. Like, please answer me. Please mm-hmm. answer me. Um, and then the, just another reason I really love Jess is, like, she doesn't run out of the house. She grabs the fucking fire poker and she decides to check for herself. Like, her sisters, you know, her um, sorority sisters are in that house still and she knows it and she can't leave knowing that. Especially yeah. knowing that the killer is there. Yeah. Um... Yeah,
1: I mean, if they weren't dead, like, if that was just, like, they would just happen to be sleeping, I mean, very possible they did not fucking hear her. They sleep anything like I do, or, like, especially if you live in a a house like that, you're, like, might be playing music, or you're passed out because you're drunk.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, Barbara's definitely drunk.
1: You're not going to wake up just because somebody's, like, calling from downstairs. That's not going to happen. So, I mean, it's very... um, I don't think this is one of those situations where you go like, oh, fuck, don't go upstairs. Like, it makes sense.
0: Well, and it it makes sense with her character because she's obviously just a bold, kind of, like, brave, courageous person. Um, So she goes up with the fire poker and she peeks into Phyllis's room where we see Barb and Phyllis propped up on the bed, very dead, and Billy is behind the door. Um, She slams the door on him. She almost gets out of the house, but she can't manage to get it open before he attacks her. And then she heads into the basement to escape him. Um, and at this point, her douchey boyfriend, Peter, shows back up. He's, like,
1: calling through the window, checking he is so on her. so creepy,
0: too, just the way he does everything. Because it's not like he, he crawls in through the basement window, and he's just, like, she's freaked the fuck out. And he's like, Jess, what are you doing? What are you doing? Like it's just me, it's just, he's not like, oh my god, are you okay? Like, is everything okay? I've been trying to get a hold of you, I've been trying to find you. Also, they showed him earlier, like, stalking around outside the house behind a tree. Like, what a fucking weirdo. I don't like Peter at all. Um, By this time, the Lieutenant uh, Fuller has arrived, him and a deputy break into the house, and they realize that, I mean, there's a shot for a second where you think that Jess and Peter are both dead, because she's laying there kind of like his head cradled in her lap. Um, They're both bloody, and then you realize that she has killed Peter with a fire poker. Cut to her in bed. Fuller was saying he knew it was Peter the whole time. Um, And, you know, this might be that moment where the audience is kind of going, oh, shit, it was Peter? Like, I, you know, like, I didn't know if it was him or not. I was kind of thinking, but, like, didn't exactly, like, know for sure. And so he was saying he knows it's Fuller, um, and Jess is eventually left alone in her room before we finally hear, like, Billy singing Hello creepy, quiet Christmas music from inside the attic still. And we kind of just see a shot of um, Mrs. Mac and Claire, whose dead bodies are still propped up in the attic. Uh, and then the final final scene of the movie is a cop posted outside of the house, just asleep, and we just hear the phone start to ring. Yeah. And there, it rings all the way through the credits, which I think is really cool too. Um, yeah, so there are seven kills. Mm-hmm. Um, I think only two happened on screen. Just... Six
1: by Billy, one by Jess, yeah. accidentally.
0: Yes. And I think the only one that happened, or the only two that happened on our screen are Claire and Barb.
1: Yes. Mm-hmm. Everything else is either an after shot or alluded to.
0: Um, favor kill.
1: Um, i I mean, you have to go with one that you actually see. But I think I'm going to have to go with Claire...
0: You know what's funny is I also have to go with Claire. Yeah. I know Barb is, like, the iconic one with, Uh like, the unicorn and the shot and everything. But there's something about the savagery Uh and, like, the whole And suffocation isn't used
1: that often.
0: No. And it's just, like, really, like, there's something so, like, sad and harrowing about it. Just, like, seeing this person suffocate Uh inside this bag. And I think the whole lead up of, like, you see him, but, like. From his peel. Also, it's the first
1: kill. You know yeah. how I feel about the first kill. Yeah, I know
0: you're a big fan of first kills. So,
1: and it's also an excellent after kill. Yeah. I mean, the setup for her. She. Part of like the creepiness and the eeriness of this entire film is before, because it's a little while. It's probably like another ten or fifteen minutes into the film before we get our second kill.
0: Yeah.
1: Um. This whole time, you know she's up there in the attic. Yep. Um, just dead. They have that shot. Yeah, because you see her, um, and then when they pan out, you can see her from the window, and it's just so good. And it's it's a terrible, terrible way to die—suffocation—and. weirdly yes no seriously though Uh, something about suffocation almost seems more personal than stabbing even though you
0: you know why because like to me at least it's because like when you're getting stabbed you're you're, like fighting back and like like but like when you're suffocating you're like sitting there just going like i'm dying because i'm breathing Uh uh-huh and like there's nothing because a wound because
1: i literally am lost for breath yeah yeah it's just it's the same
0: to me as like the same reason why drowning just seems like a fucking horrible way to die, because like you're just suffocating yeah. and like you can't do anything about it. Ugh, I hate it. Burning life—that I've mean, been—that's not suffocating, but like it's that slow. Wow. Well,
1: like, I, I Ben and I were just talking about this, and I have to like fact check. I don't know if it's one of those things that you always hear, but it's not actually true. But the saying or the the rumor is that. When you burn, you usually die from suffocation from yeah. the fumes, no? Because that's the definitely of true. Yeah, it's you don't usually um, die. And also, I die actually, from the flames. I mean, who
0: knows? Because, but I've heard it actually, the pain stops eventually because your nerves fry. Yeah. Because um, no, Kane Hodder said in his doc, like when he caught on fire, at first it didn't hurt because it fried all of his nerves. It wasn't until they had to like regraft his skin.
1: Apparently, going up in flames is the way to go.
0: I guess. Um... Yeah, no, I'll pass. Um, very important in the horror landscape. Whew. Massively important. Uh, like we've like said, one a bunch. of the most. Yeah. 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 Paved the way for Halloween. It's a photo slasher.
1: And all <coughs> holiday slashers. They yeah. exist because of this film and probably too because of the title. Um, if this would have been called Stop Now or whatever that was, yes. <laughs> um, or something that didn't have Christmas in the title um it probably would be regarded less as a holiday themed slasher and Mm -hmm. and probably wouldn't have kicked off um all of the films that are near and dear to our heart
0: yep yeah so very very important um you know it's weird though as important as it is it is one of those ones that um (coughs) it's not spoken with in the same reverence as like chainsaw Mm -hmm. no let me change that it's spoken in the same reverence it's not spoken as commonly like, it's not, this isn't a movie, like, I can go to someone and be like, oh, have you seen Halloween? And they're like, oh, no, or like, oh, yeah, but they'll know what I'm talking about. But if I'm like, oh, have you seen Black Christmas? They'll be like, what's that? It's because
1: there are no sequels.
0: Yeah. And because it was the 70s. And, like, you and yeah, I are so well, far removed from the TCM
1: 70s. TCM has, is from the 70s, but then it had multiple sequels that exited the 70s.
0: I also feel like And TCM, a much more
1: successful
0: remake. A and, very
1: successful remake that actually launched... The remake boom.
0: Yeah, and an incredibly iconic killer. Mm-hmm. And Billy's just not. And like, well,
1: because he's not. He's there's,
0: there's nothing, nothing make, about yeah, Billy
1: that we iconic. don't know anything about him. We don't even see him. There's no weapon. There's no. When we talk about um, these slashers and we rank them, and and the killer is so high up in there and how they're ranked because that's, I mean the heart and soul of these films are the people who are getting killed and the person who kills them. <laughs> and with a, a movie like this and with Billy, it's like this very similar to when we were talking about Hellbent. We're like, I don't know. It's like a devil guy. Yeah. You don't know anything about him. Mm-hmm. He's just deciding to fucking stalk these particular guys and kill them. Um, so I think that's why in the horror world, I think it's, If you're like an academic film fan, you know how important Black Christmas is. Mm -hmm. If you're a casual like film or horror fan, I think you eventually discover it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, And if you're just a general fan of movies, you don't know what Black Christmas is.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um, Where? It would would be something you stumble upon. Yeah. Um, But like you said, this is something like. When I first started getting hardcore into horror, specifically slashers, Mm -hmm. it is one of those surface level. Like, Black Christmas is going to be on all those lists you see of, like... I watched it
1: pretty early when I started, like, going, no, I'm really into this. Yeah.
0: So, we do have a list. We compile a list at keepstreaming.com slash the dash list that you can find where we rank every movie. Um, This isn't, like, we're not doing a from... I mean it's not it is from best to quote unquote worst but like we really try to take a positive aspect with all of these movies so there's no real worst it's almost a more favorites to least favorite um but we have enjoyed and found positive things from all of these movies Mm -hmm. um but you can find that list that is now 26 movies long april fool's day girls night out and cry wolf do make up the bottom three there and then the top three are um my bloody valentine from 81 which has been reigning champ for a long time uh, followed very closely now by halloween 2018 which we ranked last week and then i know what you did last summer from 97 um which has also been up in the upper echelon for quite a while now um and then the Since burning July, right there yeah. yeah number four uh which is right around there too they were both summer ones um <clears throat> so we do rank it um and we kind of base it on this criteria of there's lots of different things but how well it works as a slasher mm-hmm. um You know, we look at the killer. We look at, um, you know, if there is a motive, if the motive makes sense. We look at score, um, acting, writing, directing, poster design. That's why we discuss all this stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, This is high. I
1: know where I want it. Where do you want it? I want it. I'm already wanting to knock down Halloween. I think it
0: deserves to be too. I do too. Yeah. Um, Just looking at it it so fits in line with my bloody valentine of like it's that blueprint uh-huh. it's like what i look at and i see things and it, no matter what bob clark says like i see things in this that will influence horror movies for decades and they're done well they're done mm-hmm. like we have an incredible final girl um mm-hmm. before final girls were a thing yeah um we have so we have an incredible final girl we have this like um bob clark was just so good because he yeah like, The way deciding to keep the score minimal, but still existing. And it's so like creepy and weird. Um, And Billy's like the mystery surrounding Billy works.
1: And the fact that Billy is, we don't really see him, but we hear him. Um, And he terrifies you through the things that he's saying.
0: You see so much of scream in this too. Like, there is no way Craven didn't look at this and go, like, oh, the phone is fucking creepy. Uh-huh. Um, and, like, when a stranger calls, yeah. Slam, and so, like, yeah. so much of that. And, like, like you were saying, it's auditory. Yeah. And you don't have to see him for it to be creepy. In fact, most, it's not, you almost never do, because it's so many POV shots from his POV.
1: And when you do see him, it's, like, his hands. Or, or like, his eye. Or his eye. Like, the one body shot you can see, you can't even tell, like, is this a small guy? Is this a big guy? Like, you can't really get any deciphering things from him at all. Mm-hmm. You only know he's Billy because he says he's Billy on the phone. He says, this is Billy. And then also he does this part where, like, he's getting in trouble, like, maybe reenacting something. And he's like, Definitely Billy, like, don't do seems that.
0: like from his childhood. Yeah. yeah. Like, something is wrong. Yeah, like, so, so he's almost
1: scolding it. himself from, mm-hmm. like, a parent's perspective for saying, like, I want to lick your fat cunt whatever he says <laughs> whatever disgusting yeah
0: um no they do build this like very mysterious dreadful aura about him mm-hmm. without ever like really seeing him and it's interesting because like and obviously and like if you listen to the show you know b and i are big on the actual slasher like that's mm-hmm. why we love i know what he did last summer we love
1: a themed the burning, slasher we yeah, love a good motive behind them Uh
0: um, but bob clark realized you didn't need that and like you know, it's something that Carpenter will eventually go on to fully, like, utilize. Out. Yeah, mm-hmm. and flesh out. And there's a reason that it works well. And mm-hmm. there's a reason that Halloween is as well regarded as it is. And I totally agree with you. I was looking, I was literally looking at mm-hmm. top three. Yeah. Um, so I'm totally comfortable with that. Uh, It, it just, it does every, it's just very what insanely it, well done.
1: It's funny because mm-hmm. the things that it lacks are because it's a proto-slash one because it was the first. Yep. Um, so that's its flaws. Um, and my bloody Valentine came in, what, six, seven years later and was like, all right, uh, we're going to do a holiday slasher too. And, uh, we're going to do it hella fucking good. Yep. And we're going to take all these things that Black Christmas built for us and we're going to build what ends up being fleshed out as like the true slasher. Yeah. Um, it was interesting when I was watching the documentary about it, um, which you get. Oh uh, well, don't quote me on this because I can't remember. Screw my memory. Um, there's no, there's no nudity in the original My Bloody Valentine, correct? Mm-hmm. Isn't that something we discussed? Is that it's super exploitative and a ton of nudity in the second one? Or in the remake, obviously. There definitely is
0: so much in the But I
1: one. don't think there's any in the first the one, one. The, I the, f- the opening of, scene? I feel like the first like kill? Maybe, where she gets stabbed sure. in the heart? Anywho, <laughs> if there is nudity, but I'm pretty sure there's not in My Bloody Valentine. I think it just alludes to it. Um, it's minimal. Mm-hmm. And it was before um, some of the more icky slasher tropes got um, no presented nudity. yeah
0: lots of sex references yes
1: so that's what I remember um, so even in the opening scene where she gets sort of stabbed and she's got the heart tattoo um, you don't actually see her breasts um, and I have no problem with showing sex and nudity and um, the female body and the male body and in, in these horror movies and obviously that became a very common theme of slashers But a lot of the times it's done in a way I like to say icky. It is done exploitatively. Mm -hmm. And it is done in a way to be like, yeah, here's this girl and we're going to show her body. And that's why you're going to watch this film. It's because she's naked and she's going to die naked. Um, That's the part that's not great. Um, And what's great about Black Christmas and My Bloody Valentine is sex and um, vulgarity and... Are very prevalent, and it's not like they're shying away from those things, but they're doing it without having to say, um, "Here is a girl, and her naked body, and her like getting slashed up because she's naked." Oh yeah. yeah. Um. So it's, I think a lot of the things that slashers get knocked for aren't really that prevalent, Um, and that's one of the things—the like exploitative nudity. Um, of yeah, women absolutely. and it, it, it is in a lot of slashers and a lot of bad slashers and that's something when we get to those we're gonna say like this is not great it's just um, funny because
0: to me at least when you look at the mo- halloween has the one scene but uh-huh. i don't think it's exploitative that plays into that character as a character mm-hmm. um scream has none mm-hmm. uh nightmare has one scene and it's post Hoitus. Mm-hmm. um again not exploitative at all to me um
1: well that's what i'm saying The the ones that kind yeah. of get the genre as a mass in sort of the 80s yeah. when it came out with so many of them yeah, that's when sure. it started yes. to be like well this is what's happening i mean friday for sure tons oh, yeah, of
0: yeah, yeah. Friday like, is. <laughs> eponymous yeah or, yeah uh just so much nudity
1: i don't know but i find that interesting because <laughs> you know they made a comment of that as like oh this is a sorority and these women are obviously having sex and aren't ashamed of that um but they're doing it without having to show you it
0: yeah you never even like hear people have sex in the no film. it's not there's yeah. no sex in the film yeah, yeah. um yeah it's a good point and yeah i totally didn't even like think that but my bloody valentine does have any either mm-hmm. um yeah, so it is our new number two, uh, which I I mean, I knew it was going to be top three, so does not surprise me at all. Um, we will be back in two weeks to talk about Black x Um which is the, despite the different, title it is the remake of the same movie
1: it is called black christmas (laughs) but everything it's like how cry wolf is called
0: completely marketed as black Black xmas it's
1: stylized everywhere on the poster everything says black Xmas, and
0: because it is so tonally and story-wise different than black christmas it has very colloquially been referred to as that just so you because they're, they're basically different movies. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of things that are the same, but, like, loose frameworks, but, like, they're basically different movies. Um, yeah, and that's going to be our Christmas month, and I think we have decided we're going to do New Year's Evil for New Year's. Correct. Yeah, so we will be doing our whole little end-of-the-year theme here. Yes. Um, so that's fun. Uh, did we pick a winner for our contest?
1: We did.
0: Ooh, is it really? Yeah. Robert Prudhomme Jr., um...
1: You are our first giveaway winner. Yeah. So um, hit us
0: up on um, Twitter. You can direct message uh, us on yeah, there. Or you
1: could email us. We do have an email address, keepscreamingcast at gmail.com if you don't want to, like, put your personal information on Twitter or Facebook. Or, but you know how to find us. Yeah. are excellent at finding us on all the platforms. And thank you to everybody who shared our video episode um we had fun doing it and we're gonna do more stuff like that
0: yeah so and stuff
1: yeah so we're gonna do a fun one this month um it's not going to be one of our episodes it's gonna be like a bonus thing um but that'll be coming out um
0: right around the same time as the uh, the next episode yeah
1: so be on the lookout for that but we're just i don't know having fun so i want to do some more stuff yeah and
0: robert you're gonna get all Dude, I found so many movies. You're going to get so much shit. Yes. Um, So, so again, thank you
1: um, for sharing. You shared both on Facebook and Twitter. Um, We had, like, a lot of people who really shared it and got the word out, which was awesome. And people, like, commenting on the actual YouTube video, which was great. Um, And, yeah. Just It's it's awesome. We love you guys. Yeah.
0: It's always so encouraging. Like, we did this thinking no one would listen except maybe, like, our friends okay. and spouses. And uh, it's cool to see that there are people out there who... And it's it's always cool even... Because I mean, I know my friends are going to support us. But it's really cool when, when like, Aaron reaches out or um, I've a few of my writers at Ghastly Grinning, like um, Michelle, always makes sure to tell me, like, oh my god, I love the new episode. Um, and, like, I... Like or I, like, I agreed with you here, but I, but not here. And I, yeah. I, I love having those conversations. So reach out to us. We're at yeah, the we cast. love it.
1: Even if you don't, I know there are some people, <laughs> quite a few people, who didn't love that we ranked Halloween, the new Halloween, so high. They didn't necessarily agree with us. Really? Uh, uh, yeah. Oh, I didn't see that. Ooh, but that's what we like. We like to be
0: controversial. Yeah, um, yeah. We'll be back in two weeks with Black Xmas. If you guys want to follow along, you can rent it on Amazon. It's pretty much the only way to get it because it's out of print in that Blu Ray. Or DVD is between like six. Wait, is it
1: that Scream Factory is out of print?
0: Oh, Black Xmas. Oh no, Christmas. Black Xmas. Yeah. yeah.
1: No I was like, what are you talking about? No, no, about?
0: Black Christmas on Shudder. No. or you can get it through Scream Factory. No. Black Xmas is yeah, out no, of no, print. Yeah, no, no, no. It's like sixty bucks for a DVD. Um, do
1: not pay sixty dollars for a DVD.
0: Yeah, no, and it's like a hundred for the Blu-ray, Blu-ray because it was like ultra limited. Um, so rent it on Amazon for three dollars. Yeah. Or I think you can even own it for like five. So do that instead, and watch along with us, and we'll be back in two weeks. And until next time, keep screaming. Bye. (laughs)